0: From the Black Box Theater in Moline, Illinois, the Ringo of the Quad Cities, it's All You Care to Eat, a comedy thingy podcast with your four thingies, Dave Bondi, Rick Davis, Jeff DeLeon, and Clay Sander, along with their gaggle of special guests, Jessica Nicole White, Mike Ward, and me, your rhetorical oracle, Mark Allen. Sit back, relax, and strap it down with the always affable but never assable host of All You Care to Eat. From Chicago, Illinois, it's Mr. Patrick Brennan.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much, gang. It's so great to be back here at the lovely Black Box Theater in Moline, the home of the Rump Builder Sandwich. Now, first of all, we want to give it up to our man on the keys. Say hello to Mike Ward over there. Mark W. Allen doing all the officials and bona fides. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased it's Punch to bring you some more of that rib tickling, bone spurring, lupus causing, <laughs> panty dropping comedy that's too poop to pop. well, looky, looky, ladies and gentlemen, it's our very own Dave Bondi. Let's hear it for him. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Dave, I'm trying to get this show on the road, so to speak, so what can I do for you? Uh,
2: well, I don't know if you're aware, but usually we wait a little later in the program to bring out the comedy thing vault. But, you know, the guys and I are really just excited about this, so we're, gonna, we're hoping to move it up a little earlier.
1: Uh, so you're asking if I'd be okay with it?
2: No, we're telling you to get the fuck off the stage.
0: Time now for the Comedy Thingy Vault. Tonight, we bring you the story of our first master of ceremonies, Patrick Prennan, the great-grandfather of our very own Patrick Brennan. This is the story of the great crooner, Patrick Prennan, the Whispering Willow. The year was 1928, and America was riding high. Silent Cal Coolidge was in the White House. Mickey Mouse made his debut in Steamboat Willie. And Amelia Earhart fucked up women's rights for the next 100 years by crapping out over the Pacific. <laughs> and a crooner, known for his golden tones, would score a huge hit with Only an Iridescent Moon. Well, it's only
3: an iridescent moment. Only an iridescent moon Under the light will make whoopie tonight Under an iridescent
0: moon The nation was swept up in whispering willow fever and the singer scored another hit in late 1929 with his follow-up, Still an Iridescent Moon.
3: Still an iridescent moon Still an iridescent moon where the stock market Take your money and pocket, Or somewhere else and soon 23
0: Skidoo Such a prediction Hardly went unnoticed When weeks later The stock market crash Sent the nation into a long depression After the entertainment industry slowed down It was three years later That the whispering willow marched on Producing yet another big hit It remains an iridescent moon oh.
3: It remains an iridescent moon Son of a gun It remains an iridescent moon The 18th Amendment repealed it and ended. it It remains an iridescent
0: moon And it was repealed December 5th, 1933 The Whispering Willow was now a soothsayer to many Of course, with his ability to foresee the future thousands started to take their cues from the willow Investors
3: Again, an iridescent moon.
1: Again, an iridescent moon. I say, it's war. I can feel. Put your money in steel because again, iridescent moon.
0: Gamblers,
3: turning the page for an iridescent moon. No day, iridescent moon. Gay times, bet the Reds in Seven. They'll beat the Tigers. It's heaven. I repeat, it's an iridescent moon
0: and, of course, military intelligence.
3: Fresh in an iridescent moon Ooh, The iridescent moon I clearly remember Stay away from Pearl Harbor in December During the iridescent moon
0: Alas, all of the Whispering Willow's predictions did come true. But tragically, his run of prognostications came to an end when he was drafted into military service. He was killed, after singing in the barracks, he revealed in song that the Army chaplain was gay, and that put an end to the days of the Whispering Willow. However, he did leave us one final recording.
3: Only an iridescent moon. Listen to me. Only an iridescent moon. Some asshole's gonna shoot Kennedy in the back of the head in Dallas in 1963, so don't let him go.
0: All You Care to Eat is sponsored by Hook's Pub and Drink Slingers in Clinton, Iowa. Live music, booze, you get the idea. Tell them comedy thinking sent you, and nobody will care, nor should they. And now, History Corner, with your host, Rick Davis. Hello, everyone. Hello. Tonight,
4: we hear the first-hand journal of the great British explorer, Sir Charles Humphrey Bulger. Uncovered by historians, it reveals Sir Bulger's attempt at finding ancient ruins in the outskirts of Khartoum.
5: Day one. Today we begin our quest to find the ruins of the Khan Mondrian dynasty, wherein, under the rock and stones of a bygone era, lies the bones of Khalil Mondrian, ruler of the Sudan. With my team of four men and women, brave and true, from our positions in a small village five kilometers from the border of Khartoum, We set our gaze upon the desert, equipped with an energy and optimism that will carry us through on this magnificent journey. Day two. Jerry dropped out, said it was too hot. Day three. Jessica has left. It's also too hot. Looks like it's just gonna be down to Rick, Bill, and myself. Day four. We haven't even gotten out of the bloody parking lot. Rick's car needs a new alternator and probably a gasket now had to call a tow truck and get it to the Khalid's auto shop to see if they could get it repaired. We shall see. Day eight. Finally got the alternator. Had to fly it in from Cairo, but here's hoping Khalid can fix the Jeep, and we can, once again, begin this quest for immortality. Day nine. Wrong alternator. (laughs) Khalid needs to get one that fits our Jeep's engine. Going to spend the night once again at this motel. Rick and Bill, I fear, are growing weary. Day 10. Rick and Bill left me a note saying that they were running out for coffee. I am skeptical as it's 100 degrees outside and I don't recall seeing a coffee shop of any kind here in this Sudanese village. Day 11. Well, Khalid's assistant, Amid, put a, quote, rush on that alternator, so hoping to rectify this tomorrow, fingers crossed. Day 12. mean just plain useless. He put the wrong model number on the shipping order, and now the alternator is across the city, and Khalid can't get there until the morning. And where are Rick and Bill with those damn coffees? Day 13. Excelsior! Khalid has the alternators! And my days of sleeping in this rat-infested motel are coming to an end! Said the car should be ready by 4 o'clock, which is smashing, just before the dinner hour. Side note, Rick and Bill never returned from their coffee run. I'm beginning to think it wasn't wise to journey out of this village and into the militarized zone. I mean, unless it was some sort of magical coffee. (laughs) Once the jeep is ready... I intend to launch with or without this team. Day 14. Jeep, ready. Better go look for Rick and Bill. Prayers for finding them safe and well. Day 15. Rick and Bill have been murdered by the Sudanese military. I hope they enjoyed those final coffees. Day
3: 16.
5: Packed up Rick and Bill's cadavers and buried them in the outskirts of Khartoum. It's my intention to leave them there for a few months, come back, dig them back up, and then act like I found Khalil Modrian. I only hope the investors will buy it. A few months later. The investors didn't buy it. I need cleaning, solvent, and bleach to rid the jeep of the overpowering stench of cadaver. Asked Khalid what a detailed job on a jeep would cost. Talk about highway robbery. Still, I I thought it was worth it for the cremation alone. The next day. This Sudanese jail cell has no working toilet, and my cellmate snores like a damn chainsaw. Maybe this expedition wasn't such a grand idea after all. At least they are letting me continue to journal. The next day. They are no longer allowing me to journal. And so ends History
4: Corner. For transcripts to this journal, send a check or cash to yourself and pretend we'll actually
1: send it to you. Good night. We take you now, fab listeners, to the Romantic Candlelight Dinner Table at the Chez Romare Restaurant. Friday evening. You know something, Janubiter? I love this place.
3: Oh, me too, Randy. It was our first date. I was so nervous.
2: You were? That's funny. I was
3: too. That is funny. (laughs) ha 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 ha!
2: Oh, I love your laugh.
3: <laughs>
2: Janupiter, I knew even before our first date when I saw you rolling up a pack of Lucky Strikes into the sleeve of your I'm With Stupid t-shirt that I was in love.
3: No, oh, Randy.
2: Then our second date when we had that picnic with your Nutter Butter Pie, KFC Bucket, and that Cabbage Salad, especially after your truly Herculean belch, I knew you were the one for me. Oh, my. So there's been something... I've been meaning to ask, and there's only one way to ask it. Down on one knee.
3: Oh, oh my, oh my, Randy, why are you on your knee?
2: Janupiter. Would you make me the happiest man in the world and please do me the honor Oh, Jesus Christ, leg cramp! Oh, my God! Holy shit, this fucking hurts! Oh, what's wrong? Holy... What's wrong? Shut up, you stupid-ass half-wit bitch! I'm gonna... Give me a banana or something with high potassium! Uh, a bandana and jumping at the night gymnasium? No, you I... idiot leg cramp! Give me a glass some water and a bunch of bananas! What? Give me a glass of water and a bunch of bananas for the love of God and no, all that is sacred! Fuck! Saturday evening. I'm glad you gave me another chance to say what I wanted to say last night.
3: It's... it's okay.
2: Sorry about calling you a stupid ass, half-wit bitch. That was my... that's what my toothless old hag of a grandma used to call over the line. She was wise. When she wasn't gumming her saltines, she could be quite enlightening. But still, so sorry.
3: You were in pain. I mean, I deserved it. It was so frightening. You know, Butter, just...
2: I, I have to say this before they return with our food. I was trying to say something before my leg muscles locked up from lack of oxygen. Oh, What I couldn't say before, I'll say now. I I have loved you from the first time that I ever. Pardon,
5: madame and monsieur, for the lady. uh, The duck a alaran with truffles, almonds, and a bud of seasoned vegetables. Uh, For monsieur, the blistering hot steak flambé with uh, spicy, scorching red pepper and drizzled with uh, cojones diablo. Merci. Uh, Monsieur, I I must warn you that the. Flamet uh, cajones de hablo is excruciatingly hot. I mean, it is, uh, Africa hot. Uh, would, uh, monsieur care for uh, another glass of water or
2: some milk, perhaps? No, or? no, thank you. The spicier, the better. I don't need anything. No, ah, very well, sir. Madame, bon appétit.
3: So, continue what you were saying.
2: I think we should probably start before our food gets cold. Huh. Okay. Sure. I don't know, actually, if I can wait that. I'm just, well, I'm just going to do it.
3: Are you all right?
2: Just let me get some strength before I ask. First, though, I'm just going to take a quick bite of this scorching, blistering, hot roof-of-mouth cauterizing flambé. Okay. Whew. As I was saying, uh, that definitely has a kick. (laughs) Wow, I just, I want to say right here and now, oh, for Christ's sake! That's hotter than oh, shit! Oh, help Damn us, it. help us! He's choking! I'm choking, He's you brain-dead imbecile Jesus fucking Christ! My mouth is on fire! Right up here! I know the Heimlich. Oh, I'm not, not choking! God! Oh, God, for God's sake! I'm gonna kill you, you bitch! Oh, you asshole! I'm gonna kill you! Die! 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 Later that week... Janupiter, I'm finally ready to say what I needed to say, but... <sighs> hard since my throat was scorched.
3: Oh, Randy, I'm so sorry.
2: Sorry about that uh, I'm-gonna-kill-you-bitch stuff, too. That was... I really need to work on my temper.
4: Are you alright?
2: Just let me finally get this out. Since we last talked, I've taken the liberty of carving your initials into my chest. Uh, oh! And the, okay. the pain from the burning ink was excruciating on my face tattoo. The, the shit for brains at the tattoo shop misspelled your name, but
3: I wondered why he put my sister's name on I've it. I just got
2: <laughs> off the phone with J- J- Jack Hackety, and she said if you weren't home. You must have heard me talking to her.
3: It's it's really all right, but I, I really but please think let me that-
2: let me just get this out. I I've sustained third-degree burns, lost control of my thighs due to muscle lock. I was severely cut, slashed fire painted with ink, and suffered for your love. Janupiter, would you marry me?
3: No.
1: (laughs) Now, of course, that wasn't from the comedy thingy vault, but it is a classic. A classic, ladies and gentlemen, that you can find on the comedy... (laughs) thingy.com website. Am I right about yes, that, Clay? Yes, fantastic, fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to bring you another classic that you can find on the ComedyThingy.com website. And now we're just going to do a little transition. Mike, I don't know what, uh, what you're thinking, but whatever you are, something a little martial, something a little serious, something a little Ken Burns, please. Recently scientists and Civil War historians uncovered a series of handwritten correspondence between Confederate General Leland Beauregard Davis III and General Henry S. Grantwood of the Union Army. What nobody knew until now was that these two leaders on opposing sides of the war were corresponding, each one never facing the other in direct battle. They were able to speak openly, revealing personal grief and struggle. Now, for the first time, the Lost Letters
6: of the Civil War. To the most honorable General Henry S. Grant Wood, I hope this letter finds you well, General. No doubt you've heard the reports that the Confederate Army has seized Manassas and your soldiers were in hasty retreat. I hesitate to flaunt the arrogance we both are not wishing for this war to continue. Neither do I wish you good, sir, any personal harm in these war-torn battles. I cannot reveal where my troops are heading, but I can only convey our morale is stout. But we've taken on heavy casualties. My heart despairs as I know another epic battle is on the horizon. Yea, though I dread that shuddersome day, I hope General Grant would in future, we would conquer up the angels in our souls, reach across and shake each other's hand, knowing in our hearts, be it conquest or defeat, that we let our resolute soldiers with a martial spirit, our respective causes, though disparate they may be, are still principles we hold most dear. I conclude this letter, as always, wishing you success and abundant health. Yours, General Leland Beauregard Davis III. To General Leland Beauregard Davis III,
4: Please accept my apologies for not responding to your kind letter earlier. I've been, like, super busy these past weeks and haven't had much time to check messages. Thank you for your cordialites, as I, like you, hope to someday live in a land free of conflict. And yes, although your men did overtake Bull Run, the Northern Army is advancing in the region and have won our last seven battles. If we do indeed arise triumphant, I will, of course, make certain that any punishment directed at you be of only the noblest and sympathetic nature. Yours, in mutual highest regard, General Grantwood.
6: Dearest General Grantwood, we have a saying in the South, don't count your chickens before they hatch. By my count, the Union has only won four of their last nine battles. Is it possible I am confounded? Perhaps we should ask Old President Lincoln, I'm sure he'll have something to say after his night at the theater. Oh, Too
0: soon?
6: Watch your back, Yankee. Yours in kindest respectable regards, General Davis III. Dear General, fuck you. Sincerely,
4: General Henry S. Grantwood. To the gentleman, General Henry Grantwood.
6: Fuck me! Fuck you! You and pile of horse shit. I hope you take a cannonball on the scroat and fill your britches with piss. Fuck you. With kind regards, Leland Davis III. General Davis, you cock-sucking
4: motherfucking sorry-ass piece of racist monkey shit. If I ever find you, I'm gonna rip your asshole open with a spittoon and ram it. Mint jeweler so far up it, you'll be farting bourbon for a month. Bite me, redneck. Yours
6: with utmost civility. General Grantwood. Henry, I'd ask you to come down here and say that to my face, but I'd hate to deprive a village of their idiot. <laughs> so I'll leave you with a bit of good humor. What do you call 200 Yankees buried to their necks in sand? Not enough sand. Yuck, 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 and fiddle-dee-dee. Dee. Eat me, you mad, odorous queef of a human dump. <laughs> with kindest regards, General Davis. Lee, good one. Now go tell your sister
4: that joke. Should be easy to find her. She's the gal you married last week. <laughs> Suck it, you gap tooth sister fucker. Yours in high regard
1: and sincerity, Hank. As the war went on, both generals would be killed on the field of battle. In their last respective breaths, it was purported that each of them wished each other warmest regards and extended cordial farewells. The North won the Civil War, building a monument on the Mason Dixon line to commemorate his bravery and courage to fight for such a noble cause. In the South, former slaves beat the living shit out of the worm riddled corpse of General Davis and then took turns defecating in his mouth.
0: Tonight's podcast is sponsored in part by Shared IT go to the go to sharedit.com for tech consulting and tell them comedy thinking sent you or don't they don't care also sponsored by the late night shows at the establishment in rock island our good friends at comedy sports invite you to stay after the show have some fun with the grown-ups that's the establishment rock island
5: i've gathered you all here because i have a very chilling discovery I know who committed the murder of Baron Remington.
3: But, (gasps) Inspector Manfred, you've only been investigating for a few hours.
2: Yes, Manfred, my good man. How on earth did you gather evidence so quickly?
5: My Lord Blythe, your wife, Lady Mary, seems a bit surprised by this revelation, as do you. I, on the other hand, am surprised at you both being so surprised.
6: I don't follow that at all, sir. uh, Manfred, but please reveal your
5: reveal your news. Well, indeed I shall. The murderer is someone in this room. <gasps> My joke. one of us. I am most no wait dreadful. wait 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 wait. Where is Statler?
3: Statler? Well, he's getting tea in the kitchen.
5: Oh, then I, I, I should have waited before I said that last thing.
3: <laughs>
5: what? I said I, sh- I should have waited a bit before I. Anyway, let, let's just let's just wait a moment. Why on earth should we wait? Let's, let's just wait. Let's just stand by for a minute or two minutes. Tea
4: and scones are served, lady and lord.
5: Aha! Uh-huh.
4: Thank you, Statler. Yes, splendid. You're dismissed,
5: Statler. No, no, no. I'm saying Come here, come here, come here. All right, I'll start again. Now, the murderer is someone in this room. Statler? Pardon? You think it's Statler. How on earth did you gather that?
3: Well, you said the murderer is someone in this room, but then you waited for Statler to come mm. into this room, and so the only mm. person
5: who wasn't in the room last right, right, time... Right, 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 Yes, it was indeed the butler that killed Remington on Tuesday. I was on holiday on Tuesday, sir. I meant Wednesday. Still on holiday in Cornwall, sir. I meant Thursday.
4: I traveled to Aberdeen to visit my mother.
5: Oh, and can your mother corroborate this? Yes, she can. Shall I ring her? No, aha, you see, you once again fell for my trap. Did I, sir? Indeed you did, for you see, dear boy, I didn't mean Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. I meant Friday. That's today, sir. Aha, so you admit killing the baron this morning. The funeral was at 10
2: a.m. Open casket, was it? Look, Manfred, do you have any idea whom it may, may have been, or are you just trying to be dramatic? Both! Well, then, who do you think murdered Remington?
5: Who in the bloody hell is Remington? The
2: gardener that was murdered? Murdered, right, right,
5: right, yes, 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 yes. My mind is a mile away these days. That being said, I do still believe the murderer is in this drawing room. Is it you? Oh, shit. <laughs>
1: yes. Ladies and gentlemen Okay, now where are we? Oh yes, that's right We're at the Black Box Theater in Moline, Illinois Our comedy thingy, All You Care to Eat Home, Away from Home Let's hear it for Laura Adams and David Miller And everyone right here, ladies and gentlemen At
4: the
2: Black Box (laughs)
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I misspoke when I said This was our home away from home It actually is our home home. (laughs) There is no other home than which we have. We sleep in our cars, ladies and gentlemen, while Clay works on these scripts and we rehearse them. We're so happy to be here and so happy for this weather. Ladies and gentlemen, this wonderful place can be found on the World Wide Web at TheBlackBoxTheatre.com. That's TheBlackBoxTheatre.com, ladies and gentlemen. How do you think you spell theater? Well, you're right if you said R-E at the end. Not not E-R. That's for dumbasses. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right on to the very next bit.
0: All you care to eat, it takes you to the cockpit of United Flight 986 from New York to Chicago.
5: All right, folks, we'll be starting our descent to O'Hare Airport shortly. So, if you can start making your way back to your seats, that would be great. I put on the fast seatbelt sign, and we should be landing in about 30 minutes. Once again, we'd like to thank you for choosing United Airlines, and my co-pilot is a worthless idiot.
2: Wait, what? What? What, what did you just say there at the end? Thank you for flying and no, no, choosing no, after United? That, after that.
5: Dave, I honestly don't know what you're talking about.
2: You called me... It sounded like you called me a worthless idiot over the speaker. <laughs>
5: what? That's hilarious, man. You're funny.
2: I, well... I must have heard something else. <laughs> yeah, like, I think you're a worthless idiot, right? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm starting to lose my hearing, getting old. Oh, aren't we all? Aren't we all, man?
3: <laughs> hey, Captain Jeff, oh, do you yeah. want anything from the fridge before we land?
2: You know what, Jess, I'm good. Thank you so much. All then. right. Um, uh... What? Oh, is there, uh, is there any orange juice left? <sighs> Jesus. What was that all about? I have no idea.
5: Oh, you know, Jess, though, she can. she kind of can get temperamental at times. Yeah, I guess. Wow. I'm making an announcement. Flight attendants will be making their way through the aisle to pick up any last trash you might have, so why don't you help them out and uh, toss your trash away? My co-pilot likes to eat babies. What
2: the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what? Dave, you need to keep yeah, your I, eyes on I the I like page. to eat babies. Okay, your words, not mine. Look, what the hell I, is going on? Do you have something you want to say to me? I'm getting a feeling that well, you're... Getting... Dave, could you... Be any more fucking paranoid. You just said a co-pilot likes to eat babies. You said that. Oh
5: my actual god! Are you serious, Dave? M- look, man, I-, I think you need some help. Why would I cl- like to eat baby? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Of-
4: <laughs> oh, that was great!
3: Hilarious! The whole cabin is dying laughing at me. Uh, um, I they're they're dying laughing at. At this
2: joke I told. Oh, really? <clears throat> I like a good laugh. What was the joke? Hmm? The joke, the joke you told. Tell it to me.
3: Oh, um oh somebody ordered an orange juice, didn't they? Oh, <laughs> stupid me. I'll be right back with that.
5: What was the joke? Hey, look, Dave, look, I'm talking to you as a friend. I-
2: Maybe you should take some
5: time off. I mean, you, you, you think Jess has something against you? You think I'm saying
2: things about you? Are you are saying things. I don't know what's going on, but you're, you're taking out your frustrations on me in front of the whole plane or something. I don't what? get it. What did I do?
5: Yeah, that's right. That's my thing. I use my flight announcements as a a passive-aggressive method to insult my friend who had the nerve to marry my ex-wife and raise my three kids and still make me pay child support despite making a combined household income that triples my take-home pay. And, uh, you know, I let everyone else on the plane in on it to humiliate you behind your
6: back. Yeah, it's this
5: big conspiracy. Good thinking there, Oliver Stone. God, you are so damn paranoid. Everything's about you.
2: Wow, just... I'm sorry. Barb and I fell in love after you cheated on her the fifth time. Fourth. 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 You're right. I'm probably just (laughs) feeling guilty hearing things in the wrong way. You know, my fault, really. Sorry, Jeff. Okay.
5: Let's just put it behind us, okay? Hey, I tell you what. Why don't you make the announcement to prepare for final approach?
2: Oh, no, no, really, it's fine.
5: Go no, no, I, no, look, if you want to, go ahead. I'm totally fine with it. I don't want there to be any hard feelings or weirdness or suspicions or no, anything, no, okay? No, it's, no it's,
2: it's your thing. You've been doing it the whole flight. Go ahead. You sure? Yeah.
5: Okay. That's, that's, that's big of you, Dave. Thanks, man. Um, Attention passengers, fuck Dave. You
4: son of a bitch! You want to go, asshole! That's Let's right. go right now. now! Fuck me, fuck you! I want my fucking wife back, That's asshole! Shit.
0: You don't deserve her! And the plane crashed. <laughs> Tune in next time for another installment of Why Planes Crash on the National Geographic Channel. That
1: is our show, ladies like a nigga White, Mark Allen, Mike Ward, and Gunnar Maelstrom in the booth. You guys make us very happy. We live for you and we welcome you back to the next episode of... All